John 17, we looked last time at the first few verses here. I'm going to look at them briefly, just again real quick, make a couple comments. John 17, verse 1 says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven. He's praying to the Father, His high priestly prayer for His people. And said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son may also may glorify Thee. As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. God elected the people. Christ came and was born, conceived and born and, and lived and breathed and died and rose again for those people. And He will lose none. And He has all power. This is a sovereign, almighty God that's praying this. I love that. I love that. You start telling unregenerated people about a sovereign God on His throne, ruling and reigning and doing all things to save a people and make them just like Christ, and people get mad. They get mad. Every one of y'all know we've been here for five years. <laughs> been coming here for five years. Kimberly has a genetic disorder. And she's in a lot worse shape than most people her age right now. And it's going to get a lot worse when she does get older. And people say, that's not fair. You're too young. And she said, no, was God wrong? They don't like that. What leave you alone, don't they? A sovereign God's on His throne. He did what He saw fit. Right? Or, or do you not know Him? He did that. She knows it. I thought of Revelation 11. It says, We give thanks, O Lord, God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come. You always have been. You're the everlasting God. Because Thou hast taken to Thee Thy great power and hast reigned. You've done anything you saw fit for the salvation of your people and your glory. Revelation eleven eighteen begins, and the nations were angry. Don't you tell me something like that. I know what's best. They scream, No God. No God. Not there is no God. No God. There is is in italics or in the Psalms. No. No, that can't be. No. All power over all flesh that he should give eternal life, however he sees fit. And the means that he wants to do it. To as many as thou, the Father, hast given him. This is the one praying. Who's this for? This is for the disciples then. And it's for his disciples now. Do you follow him? I know there's so many followers in our generation. Everybody has followers, don't they? Y'all better, they better be careful for them words. That's the Lord's language. He had disciples then, walked this earth, those apostles that were standing next to him. He has disciples now, you are. And if this world keeps going, he's going to have his children then. It says in verse 9, I pray for them, for those apostles standing there with him. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Then down in verse 20, he says, Neither pray I for these alone, for these apostles alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. 2,000 years later, we're going to sit down we're going to read John's Word that he wrote down right here and say, I believe Him. I believe the Lord. You who believe on Christ. 
you hath everlasting life. You got right now, and ain't ever going away. You're alive in Him. You that believe on Him. How? We were the fathers. He owns everything, everybody, thousand on the cattle hills. And in and, and, and an aspect, all men serve Him. Those that hate Him serve Him. His enemies serve Him for His glory. We were the fathers, and the Father gave us to Christ. You have eternal life, you that believe on Him. He's your whole basis, foundation. You stand on Him, you kneel on Him, you lay on Him. You're on Him. You have eternal life because Christ, who is life, has us. You get that? The Father gave us to Him, and we have life because He has us. We're His. We're His. Verse 2. As thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given Him. And this is life eternal that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. Know Him. Life is to know God, not just know about Him. Everybody tell you something about Him. Everybody tell you some facts about the Bible, but to adore Him, to love Him, love Him, to need Him, who He is, not who we think He is. Everybody loves somebody, that they, a God they've imagined up in their minds. But according to this Word, the true and living God of this Bible, to adore Him and turn yourself over to Him, lock, stock, and barrel, and He's your life. I have a what we call a life in this world, and I want those things to be nice. I want a family and children get along and everybody come over for Thanksgiving and have a cookout every now and then. I want those things. Go on vacation every now and then. He's my life. He, he, he doesn't come first in my life. He is my life. It's Him. Hopefully we'll see tonight what He did. We used to look at the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that work was only for those that are made to know Him, to adore Him, to need Him. After Moses, he asked to see the Lord's glory. He said, I beseech thee, show me your glory. Show it to me. And the Lord said He would. He said, I'm going to reveal my name to you, Moses. You reckon that's important? I'm going to reveal my name to you. That's who He is, isn't it? Then I'm going to be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll show mercy on whom I'll show mercy. He said, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'm going to pass by you, keep you covered in there so you don't die. And in chapter 34 it happened, in Exodus 34. And God said what He was going to do, and then He did it. That's simple. God can do that. We can't. He said what He's going to do and it happened. And the Lord passed by before Him and He proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. That's what it says. Is that what you read whenever you read Exodus? That's what it says, isn't it? What is it to know Him? He's merciful and gracious to me. To me. Long-suffering. That's what He is. That's a fact. To me. Is it to you? Is he long, has he been long suffering to you? Has he suffered you a long time? Are you, are you insufferable to anybody else but him? And abundant in goodness and truth to me. Keeping mercy for thousands, even this fellow. One that needs mercy. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Singular. My sin. 
That's to know Him. My sin, that's what I am. And that will by no means clear the guilty. What's that mean? Christ died on a cross of Calvary. Who put Him there? I did. I was so wretched and vile that when He became me, the Father killed Him. He saw my face on His face and He killed Him. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and to the fourth generation. If you know the God, if He's revealed Himself to you, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom God, the Godhead dwells in a body, what do you do? He revealed Himself to Moses personally, right? This ain't, don't go study it in the seminary. God talked to him. He revealed Himself to him. One on one. That's life. He revealed himself to him. Do you go up in a school? I knew a fellow one time was going to be an uh, evangelist or a missionary. And he got down there and he realized that wasn't panning out the way he thought it was going to. And he said, well, these people ain't got drinking water and I know how to run a, a well driller and so I'm going to start drilling wells for Jesus. And it just so happened. Another fellow went to the preacher school there in Asheville and he said, I just feel that the Lord's called me for a ministry in Hawaii. And I'm like, you don't, you don't say. <laughs> Me too. How about all you, huh? Let's pack up and move. That's awful convenient, isn't it? Mm, that's shameful is what that is. You don't go up to school. You don't donate a portion of your time. And you don't donate a portion of your money. You don't donate a portion of your property. Well, I can open that room up to somebody that's coming through town. You don't tell everyone in town that you agree with these doctrinal principles. That's not what you do when the Lord reveals Himself to you. Moses did this in Exodus 34 verse 8. Moses made haste. That means he did it right then. In a hurry. And he bowed his head toward the earth and he worshipped. He worshipped. His heart burned within him and he worshipped God. What did he say? He must be my prophet. He's the prophet, priest, and king, isn't he? He's got to be my prophet. Mine. I have no wisdom apart from Him, apart from Him revealing Himself to me or revealing anything to me. He must be my priest. Is He your priest? He's got to be my priest. I can't approach a holy God that I did nothing but sin against. He's the only one I sinned against. You may have saw it. I've sinned against a holy God. He must be my priest. He must intercede for me. And He must be my king. My king. I must be his subject. He must be my king. He must rule and reign. He must decide all things. He must protect me from all of my enemies. He's going to have to provide all the food. He's going to have to provide all the jobs. All the clothing. He must do it. It's got to be him. That's falling on your face with more. I can't do those things. He must. Do you know him as those things? Do you need Him more than your daily bread and water? John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lift up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son may also, also may glorify Thee. As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth. And what does it say next after that call? Read with me. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. 
That's the first two I haves of the nine I haves in this chapter, in this prayer. We're going to look at that another time. The nine I haves. He tells what he's done. I have, I have. He says, I have glorified thee on the earth. Colon. He's going to tell us the means by which he glorified the Father on this earth. I have finished the work that which thou gavest me to do. He finished the work that the Lord gave him to do, the Father gave him to do. Everybody knows about a man named Jesus, don't they? What'd he do? Well, he was here. Well, yeah, well, he was here. What'd he do while he's here? Well, he was born in Nazareth. Yeah, that's where he was born. What'd he do? Well, he ended up being on a cross. What'd that do? There's a bunch of people died on crosses. A Roman cross. Why? What'd he do? We know about the person. That's what we've been looking at the last 12 minutes. That's who? That's the person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his work. He said, I finished the work that you gave me to do. What was his first recorded words? I don't know, he said a lot of words. He had to learn to talk. Didn't that just blow your mind? Theologians ought to get their big heads wrapped around that one. He grew in wisdom and stature in favor of God and men. How is that possible? I don't know. He learned to talk, didn't he? But his first words were recorded in the Scriptures. He said a lot of words before that. The first one's recorded. He was 12 years old. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the Almighty God in a human body, stood on this earth, and his mommy and daddy couldn't find him. They went on, they went to services, and they're heading back home. And a couple of days into, said, so "Where's he at?" Well, I thought he was with you. And they went back to the temple because that's where he liked to be. He's asking them questions. Ooh, I don't want to <laughs> imagine the questions he asked. They got a billboard up the road here. Said, "You asked for it, and you got it." Text your hard questions. Got an app. Everything's an app now, isn't it? What did Queen of Sheba do? She went or asked some hard questions and she got her mouth shut. <laughs> she got some answers, hard answers, didn't she? He come and asked, he was asking them questions and his mom and daddy come back and said, what are you doing? He said, how is it that you sought for me? Wish ye not, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? I got to do his work. What's wrong with you? Twelve years old. That's his first recorded words in the Scripture. i got to do the work the Father gave me to do. Hard to be 11 or 12 years old, isn't it? Those first adult responsibilities start coming in. and You're partly a child and partly a man and you got to do things that's hard but you still want to play and be a kid. That's a hard time. This is a side note, but it needs said. You know how Henry used to say? How did Henry say it? Well, he had to say it for people to hear it, didn't he? Maybe someday people say Kevin used to say. <laughs> Adolescence is a manufactured concept in the last 75 years. That never existed before 100 years ago. Ever. That's just, that's just a reason for parents to not raise their children according to the Word of God because they ain't no good. That's it. What Paul say? The Word of God says, he said, I was a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child. When I was a man, I talked like a man, I acted like a man, I thought like a man. That's it, isn't it? At 12 years old, this man, the God-man, was about his father's business. Every thought he had, every facial... Hang with me, now this is good. We'll learn something tonight. Every facial expression he had, every, any act of any kind, it was for the glory of God. Is that our motivation? Oh. 
I thought of this. You want a diet plan? The Lord ate figs. I was working on a fig tree the other day. He ate figs. Did he like figs? He did. He went and ate them. Every bite he ever took was for the glory of God. Couldn't imagine that. Every fig he ate, that was for the Father's glory. I don't even know what that would be like. To consider such things 24-7. What are you going to have for, for dinner? What would most glorify the Father? Honestly, that's what's required of us. To love the Father with all our heart, soul, mind, and body, and spirit. He did. I like what Brother Paul made. Does somebody want to clap and jump up and down and say amen? <laughs> Not for His own benefit. Not for for our benefit. He lived that perfect... That's who He was. But He did it for us. He glorified the Father and lived on our behalf. Our substitute. He was always about the Father's business. Accomplishing the work that the Father gave Him to do. What is that? You know the who. You know the person that this was. What was His finished work? The Scriptures tell us abundantly, don't they? They're filled with His person and His work. His person is the names of the Lord. I love Him. It declares who He is. There's 175, I don't know, lots. It's not just seven. He has a lot of names. They're magnificent. And the work the Father gave Him to do. That would be a long list if you had to write it out. To glorify Him. Keep His law. Make a payment for sin. Intercede for that purchased people that He bled for. Keep them. Keep them in His hand. Like I read to you out of Exodus 34, this is the person. It's not just facts. All that happened for me. That happened for you? Or we just give mental assent to the facts and we found the correct gospel. Or did God do all these things for us? That's, that's 18 inches. I want it here. I need it here. I might have believed on Him yesterday. I need to believe on Him today. Do you? I have it here. I read an article today about 11 things people think are in the Bible and they're not. And they got it right. <laughs> they can determine what's said in this text. Those things, I'll just give you a couple of them. God won't give you more than you can handle. They said that ain't in the Scriptures nowhere. And it ain't. God can, he won't, you can't handle nothing. If a fly land on you, it kill you instantly. You can handle nothing without His power. They didn't say that, but apple in the garden. It wasn't an apple. It was the fruit of the tree. Money's the root of all evil. No, it's not. That's an inanimate object. The love of money is the root of all evil. This too shall pass. Now there's some scripture that loosely based on those words aren't in the scriptures. Cleanliness is next to godliness. God helps those who help themselves. I wish they'd have kept going. I was like, y'all on a roll now if you'd had about ten more points. God loves everybody. That's a, what Christ died for everybody, and the Holy Spirit's trying to save everybody. Lies. Turn over to Daniel nine. I want to see what the Scripture says, not what I think the work was that He did. I want to tell you what God said He's going to do, because He said He's going to do it, and then He did it. Didn't he? Daniel chapter nine. Daniel nine. If you get to Hosea, we went too far. Daniel was praying for himself and for Israel. He was confessing his sin. He said, Israel sinned. He was making supplication. And while he was praying, Gabriel came to him. He flew swiftly. He was on a mission and he touched him. 
And he said, Oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. He's going to preach to him. I'm going to give you knowledge and understanding. Do you want some knowledge and understanding? What did Christ do? Everybody knows about this fellow. He came here. What did he do? Here in verse 25, Daniel 9, 25. Gabriel's telling Daniel about the hour. Our Lord said the hour's come. Here's what he's speaking of. Daniel 9, 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. That's the hour. He's going to die. This is beautiful. But not for Himself. Not doing the work of the Father. That's for us. And the people of the prince shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. This is speaking of the Messiah. This is speaking of the Anointed One. You know, the, the Greek and the Hebrew, Messiah and Christ, it's the same thing. That's the Anointed One, isn't it? That's who we know we're speaking of. Now, knowing that this is who Gabriel's talking about, look up in verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. That Messiah is going to come, and he's, going, he's got some work to do. Six things are listed here. Six things. First off, it just gives us a little time frame. It says 70 weeks. A week was uh, seven years, is what they're referring to. And there's 70 of them. That's 490 years. And Gabriel's saying, 490 years from right now, Daniel, this stuff's going to come to pass. And he's going to be cut off. That hour's going to happen. But not for himself. Not for himself. For the Father and for us. What's he going to do? First thing, to finish the transgression. What's that mean? Well, first off, that means to put away our sin. We've sinned. He's got to put away our sin. That's what he said in Matthew 1. Those angels came and she shall bring forth a son, they said, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That transgression is going to be put away. It's going to finish transgression. It's over. He's going to save us from those. And He's going to put away evil forever. Not just our sins and sins that's going to be floating all around and all this stuff causing havoc. He's going, to, he's going to crush that serpent's head like it says in John or uh, Genesis 3.15, isn't it? He's going to bruise your hair. You're going to bruise His head. John told us that in 1 John. He said, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that He might destroy the works of the devil. He came here to destroy the works of the devil. What's that mean? All men are without excuse. And women. And children. And anything else. They're guilty before Christ. That's who we're going to be judged against. We're either judged in Him or against Him. Here's the standard. Here's the lawgiver and the law keeper. He's going to put those things away. What else? Verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins. That's what Paul wrote in Colossians 2. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. 
nailing it to His cross. By that one offering, nailing it to His cross. By that one work, in that hour He was talking about. For by one offering, He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Those He set apart for His use, He said, these are mine, these are for my use, I own them, and they're holy. I've made them that way. David said, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our sins, our transgressions from us. Clean listed off of us. It's gone. Ain't a mark left. Well, I, I, I've had some things on me that got took off of me, and I got scars from it. <laughs> things go through me, I got some scars. But there's, there's evidence. No evidence of sin. It's gone. Removed. It says, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity. We did it. He put it away. It's gone. But we have to be restored. We have to be reconciled. Sin's been put away and we are restored. Paul wrote this here in 2 Corinthians 5. People ought to know exactly what I'm going to read. huh? Start about verse 18. And these things are of God who hath reconciled us. You know what reconciled means? You young people, listen up. I'm going to tell you what a word means. Reconciled. It means restored to divine favor. You're reconciled to God. You're back in God's favor. That's what that word means. Who's reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He did that for us and He gave us this work to go tell folks about Christ's blood. His reconciliation, what He did, the work that He did, who He is and what He did. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciled the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto Him, and hath committed unto us this word of reconciliation. He's gave this to us. You going to hide it underneath your couch and not leave your property for four years? No. You go tell somebody about it. Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ. we got a job to do. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. That's what He did for us. That's what He said to me. We just go tell people what He said. One wouldn't think it's a hard job. It is, though, ain't it? How did He do that? It pleased the Lord to bruise Him. That's how He made reconciliation. By His stripes, we're healed. When that face was marred, more than any other face has been marred, it's because it looked like His people. It looked like sin, the feminine noun. And he punished it. There are verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. If we return to 2 Corinthians 5, that next verse, verse 21 says, For, because... Because what? Because what he just said. He made reconciliation. He gave us this ministry of reconciliation. For he hath made him sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's bringing in everlasting righteousness. That's Christ's work the Father gave him. This will shock the religious world. Shock the pants right off of him. He finished the work. He finished it. Well, we got to be made righteous and holy. That's done. I got to be redeemed. He did that. It's finished. He did it. 
He's covered us in a robe of righteousness. Isaiah 61 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be full, joyful in my God, for He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh herself, himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. Just like He put that on, He put it on us. It's His. He gave it to us. You've heard that before about our clothing's our gospel. I've told you that. What was picture, one of the pictures in that garden? There was the fall, and Adam and Eve were naked. They was walking around naked without sin. They, and I thought they never was cold, and they never got sunburnt. They had no clothes on. It was hot this week. They never got sunburned. Sin entered in. They tried to robe themselves with fig leaves. Oh, I know. I know. I know what to do. I've got an idea. There's a way that seems right unto man, and that way is death. It's going to shrivel up, isn't it? What happened? Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. That's in Genesis 3.21. You mean He's going to cover us in a righteousness? A robe of righteousness? That's His work. It's His doing. And He did it. It's finished. It's finished, isn't it? He was that lamb slain that the Lord covered him with. Picture of him. There in Genesis 37, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children and because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. We just read that not too long ago, didn't we? Put that coat on him and his brothers went and sold him and threw him in a pit and they took that coat and they said, boy, daddy's going to... We've got to have a story to tell him. What did they do with that coat? Dipped it in blood and brought it to the Father. I can't pick up every diamond in the field when we went through Genesis they brought that coat, that robe, covered in blood to the Father for the Son. You think Jacob kept that coat? Or do you think he threw it away? I don't know if it was with him when they got to Egypt. He said, I knew, I thought she was like, here's, here's, here's your coat back. <laughs> it wasn't torn, it was whole. Aaron and his son Eleazar, the Lord said, bring him up to the mountain. Aaron sinned against me. And strip Herod of his garments and put them upon Eleazar his son, and Aaron shall be gathered unto his people, and he shall die there. The last thing Aaron ever did in his Arionic priesthood was to be a picture of Christ. He was took up a mountain, and his, he was slain by God, and his garments covered his children, covered his son. Our Lord had garments on, didn't they? And they stripped him of him. And they put a scarlet robe on him and a crown of thorns and they bowed in front of him and said, All hail the king of the Jews and mocked him and spit in his face. So we would have a robe of righteousness. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy. To seal it up. Complete it. The vision of the prophets that they have been given is no longer need to be given. There's a, there's a Messiah coming. It's fulfilled. It's fulfilled. All the prophets are fulfilled. There, there's no need no more prophets. Come up with new dreams and new vision. No. Christ is coming. There He is. He came. That's, that's finished. That's a work that was finished. And the prophecy of Him coming, He's come. That's what the Lord told us in Hebrews 1. God, who at sundry time and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by His Son. 
whom He hath appointed heir of all things. Nothing's added to it. Nothing needs to be added to it. Nothing needs to be taken away. We have the law and we have the testimony right here. I don't have to write any epistles. I don't have to write any open letters for people. Just say, right here's what God says. You think you can say it better? That's what it says. I kept them poor fellows that wrote that article on the internet. It don't say that. No, it doesn't say that. Here's what it does say. Say, Lord said so, isn't it? He is the sum and He is the substance of all Scriptures. And it's sealed up. It's tidied up. All the loose ends are tucked in. What's that mean? It's finished. That's the work He was given to do. And He did it. It ain't that hard. People make it hard, don't they? They're drawn 19. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scriptures might be fulfilled, He said, I thirst. And there was set a vessel of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to His mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, It is finished. And He bowed His head, and He gave up the ghost. No one's ever gave up the ghost. No one's ever lived like this man. No one's ever died like this man. There's been people try to commit suicide and they failed. You may jump off a bridge, you may die, you may not. He said, this work's done, I give up the ghost. Well, didn't he say it was finished back in John 17? That's who we're talking about, isn't it? He said before the foundation of the world, he was a lamb slain. If he said that's going to rain Tuesday, buy an umbrella, it's going to come to pass. It was done, What? Finally, that's five. Here's six. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. To anoint the most holy. His blood is what anointed that mercy seat. He was the acceptable bloody sacrifice. Do you remember the word that's for? Propitiation in it. That's what John told us. He anointed that, 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 the holy place inside that tabernacle where we can't go. He anointed it. We can come boldly to that throne now. When it's the time to die, go on, you're fine. <laughs> he anointed it. He anointed the most holy. His blood bought us, anointing us, sanctifying us, setting us apart for His use, making us holy. He put that nature in us, a new creation. And His work, this work He is sent to do, His shedding of the blood, it anointed heaven itself. That place He went to prepare for us, remember that? You remember what that was? Reconciliate, a place of reconciliation, wasn't it? A place, a place of redemption. A place of atonement with the Father. Being back in His good favor. Reconciliation with the Father who He glorified. For us, in us. <laughs> He's given us these things. Do we thank Him for 45 minutes twice a week? Or are we putting in our hand what God gave us to do? Or we just talk about it a whole lot? I don't want to talk about it a whole lot. I want to do it, don't you? I want to tell people, but that's what He's done for us. There's, i got brothers and sisters out there somewhere. They don't know it yet. They, they ain't been born yet. I want to go tell them. I thought of you, Karen, whenever I wrote that. You, you went a long way up this. This state's long. You went to go see your brother and your sister, didn't you? Wow, that's your family. <laughs> you want to go see? I got family out there. You do too. I want to get to know them. 
That's the word. There in our text. We was away from it for a long time. But John 17. He said, I have glorified thee on the earth. Boy, did he. Boy, did he. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Does that make you want to thank Him? Oh, what a, what a Savior. What a work. What a work. What a worker. No man worked like that man. Hey, wasn't a carpenter ever lived that's ever put in a day of work like he put in. <laughs> that's something, man. 